Hey there, Rothheads. This is John in the Yetta Bay, welcoming you to another Echo Base Nights. On this week's episode, Ian and I go over what we thought of the new Star Wars Resistance show on the Disney network, Disney streaming services. It's a Disney thing for sure. On this, the inaugural episode of Resistance Recon, a name I just made up and that Ian won't find out about until he's QCing this episode. But I don't think he's going to, so I don't know if he's going to know about it. Let's keep it our little secret. But before we begin, a quick disclaimer. This particular episode was recorded with a headset I thought had a much better microphone. It did not, and I would like to apologize beforehand, for this episode is not the same quality that you come to expect from Hot Topics. It's still alright though, I did my best. After all, I'm in the edit bay, and I have the edit powers. Allegedly. And with that out of the way, please sit back and enjoy, as Ian and I are thrown headfirst off the side of the Colossus. Hey, John. We had a long day yesterday. Fun day, but long day. We went up to a place in City of Industry called Frankenson, which is... You describe it really well. It's basically the merchant floor of like a comic convention, but only that part of it. So all the little shops and stalls that you would see where you buy all your collectibles. And we went up there with a bunch of friends and had a good time. I mean, a rock came out of me earlier in that day, which wasn't fun. Other than that, it was a it was a good time, and we got some new six inch figures to add to the collection. So that was that was pretty rad. We both picked up a Admiral Piet, and I was comparing him to the other officer figures they released because I like to see if the figures are using the same molds. Mm -hmm. Looking at my figures, Thrawn and Tarkin for their uniforms have a very similar mold, but Piet looks like it's his own thing and Krennic has kind of his own thing and Veers is covered in armor, so I can't really see it, but I was uh, also impressed that much like Veers' helmet and hat, they are molded specifically for that head sculpt. So Piet's hat doesn't fit on any of the other figures properly. Hmm. And Veers' hat doesn't fit on Piet properly. Like, they're molded with, ha- like, hairlines and stuff. It's kind of interesting. That is pretty cool. I-, I like that because it means they don't fall off very easy either. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of hard to lose. And the uniform thing makes me happy because these figures are about $20 U.S. I I would be kind of bummed if I was paying $20 over and over again for the same sculpt like the same body sculpt with right just a different head uh with the exception of veers all the the four other officers they've released in the six inch line all have 12 rank tiles on their bars so they're all admiral or higher ranked hmm interesting no i, I didn't know that because no, te- now that you point it out yeah. yeah technically krennic is an admiral he's a military director <laughs> <laughs> But, but yes, yeah, so it was uh, on, on a totally random side note, just continuing with Piet, I think it's kind of interesting that Piet goes from captain of his ship to fleet admiral. Usually there's like two or three more steps you got to go to. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's the the benefit of work invader squadron is a uh, quote get, unquote benefit. Yeah, you, you get promoted uh, if you happen to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, <laughs> you I kind of like you. Congratulations. You're hired. Yay, what's my new job? Do the job that uh, uh, this guy on the floor that's now dead was doing. It was a good time. It was a good time. I I picked up a Piet as well. 
and I got a decent deal on a uh, Uncle Pappy, mm-hmm. good old Mister Palpatine, and got a Bespin Leia, which, based on the number of Bespin Leias I saw floating around after I bought that one, I- I'm I'm slightly regretting it because she seems like someone that might actually end up on shelves. Because when when you go to when you go to a place like Frankenstein's, usually you want to get stuff that you know has been harder to find in your region, like stuff right. that you've been having trouble collecting and i think i might have just paid the get it first tax on that one you know the yeah. <laughs> the extra markup to be the first to have it sort of thing we paid what 30 for piet yeah uh at the first booth we saw which i i honestly did not mind even though we saw him later for uh msrp just because he's an online exclusive for uh, right. entertainment earth and i i already don't like ordering stuff online uh, as much enough as it is going to cons and like knowing how these merchandise booths and like stores kind of work if if like i'm not paying an exorbitant amount for a figure i, I don't mind paying a little bit more much train of thought disappeared there but like yeah, one of the things that i liked about frankincense is not they do have stuff they do have the newer stuff in box but sometimes the sometimes the booths have a loose six inch figure so say mm-hmm. you want to get a couple senate guard and you don't really want to pay the 70 or 80 bucks for the the Guardian of Evil 4 pack. Uh, you can just go and spend 15 bucks and just get the Royal Guard. I was hoping to find a, a Sand Trooper from the the Dubek and mm. Sand Trooper combo pack just by himself. Because I just I don't have room for a Dubek. Dubek, back, I, back. I do have room for a Sand Trooper. So mm-hmm. that was fun. One of the things that happened uh, this week, John, is you and I ended up watching the first three episodes of Star Wars Resistance. I'm going to start off here with something that I think Star Wars Resistance really finally hammered into my head, and that is I am going to stop judging shows based on their animation style before I actually see episodes of it, because I did it with Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. And I did it with Rebels and it was fine. And I remember when we were talking about this on a previous show, I said, hey, give it a chance because these other ones were fine. But I was still hesitant about it. And, and no more of that. I watched I watched the first episode and then it just... It, any, anything that was sticking in my brain about it being off for me in the trailers, that was just gone. And I was able to ignore it when it wasn't what I was expecting. And I was able to really enjoy it when we got really beautiful shots, especially especially when they're flying over the ocean in the, I guess they're starfighters. That's actually a good question. Are those just in Atmo speeder variants or are they actually I'm, like, I'm sure they're starfighters. Yeah. They look like starfighters. So, so I, I will never judge something on its animation style until I have seen the actual full length episodes from here on out. <laughs> yeah. As I mentioned, I think in our, our last podcast, I, the style is like the style that I feel like every Netflix original anime mm-hmm. is is powered by. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The thing that I see that bugs me the most is when you see people walking around on the on the matte painted backgrounds, it doesn't look right. It kind of looks like they're they're sliding a little bit every time they step. And I was paying a little bit more attention to that in uh, resistance today. And a lot of the full frame walking shots where you can see people walking, it's it's still a little off to me. Their walking gates aren't big enough for as much distance they're covering, but they're 
those shots are so few and far between that I can only if I'm looking for it will I actually notice it sort of thing. One thing I think that we uh, might have talked about in the past is when something loses your interest, it's a lot easier to pick up on those background items. Mm-hmm. So it it speaks to the quality of the show itself where in order to look for those sort of background problems or minor issues, you actually have to actively be looking for them rather than you just losing interest in finding them on, on your own. Yeah, definitely. And and I've seen that, that exact description uh, used for a lot of people that didn't get solo or, or rogue one on last Jedi, even that some people were just so turned off by the premise that all they could see was the negative parts. Right. And in my notes on this, like I took a ton of notes on the first episode and the second and third ones, I have barely any notes because I just, I just stopped caring and I just sat back and was just in, like, I stopped caring about criticizing and I just sat back and watched the episodes. And then like most, most of the notes on the second ones are just kind of like, oh, that's interesting or that's kind of cool. And they're not really criticisms. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty good. Like to see. And I, I think that the first episode of any series, regardless if it's Star Wars related or not, its job is to grab your attention. And because we all know its job is to grab your attention, we all kind of nitpick it a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think, uh, I think the series did a, did a good job getting going here. So let's, let's talk Star Wars resistance for a little bit, John. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers. If you haven't seen resistance, go watch resistance, please. Yeah, so let, let's let's talk a little resistance, John. Your overall impressions. Let's let's not go right into the nitty gritty real quick. What were your overall sort of thoughts and feelings about the first three episodes? It it took me maybe a third of the way through the first episode to kind of get used to the animation style. It kind of seems dumb that like that was like my my hang up was the animation mm-hmm. style. I did not really feel the animation style of the Clone Wars cartoon, and then I watched it. And then, like, I enjoyed the story, and then I started to enjoy the animation more and more. I'm talking about the Samurai Jack version. Mm-hmm. There's a few characters in that that just remind me of characters I've played in D&D. Characters that are clearly detrimental to the party, and yet necessary for the party to continue, to the chagrin of the other party members. <laughs> Most characters you've ever played? <laughs> yes. I did like the racing sequences. They reminded me a lot of uh, the pod races, uh, which have always been a positive part of the fandom menace to me. Mm-hmm. I've never not enjoyed the pod races. I think a lot of people am, would agree with you on that. I am dreading the day that the Star Wars Resistance Racer game comes out and it's just flying through hoops. <laughs> it's just, it's just going to be the training levels for, what was that, Star Fox? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Superman 64. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they figure out a way to make that that interesting because it would be fun to do a star wars racing game because I, I enjoyed in racer how you can like cobble together a racer from random parts mm-hmm. uh, and with technology these you wouldn't just get a generic model with invisible custom parts in it you, you know you could probably like get custom wings and custom blah 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 and yeah and that such so i thought that was cool as far as story goes there's i'm giving it a lot of leeway because it is aimed for a younger audience so mm-hmm. the main character is a little goofy he's he's not very bright but at the same time i kind of see him as like the point of view character for the target audience Mm -hmm. uh where you know the world is still kind of new and they're learning and so they'll they'll learn 
about the world through Kaz. So I'm not not too upset on that. You know, it's the uh, I don't know what I was going to say there. Ian, it's, you go. Your it's, turn. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I think I know what you're trying to say. You know, it's kind of something that you it's the, the grain of salt you have to take with all kid shows or. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and that's that's one of the things that I, I think my my very first um, after I watched them we watched them separately uh, and after I watched them I sent you a note that said my overall impression it's fun yet if predictable a lot of that predictability comes from and I'm, I'm not talking about like you know specific scenes or anything like that but just the overarching sort of character themes and behaviors are mm-hmm. are all. Uh, predictable in that sense that it's it's a kid's show. The kid's shows for generations have taught very specific themes, and especially with a property like Star Wars, which talks about very specific themes across its entire property. Seeing it at that at, at a level for the particular age group, I think, makes older fans are going to be able to really you know watch the beginning of an episode and kind of predict how it ends fairly easily. But at the same time, it's a lot of fun along the way, and there's a lot of creative characters and set pieces that make it an enjoyable experience, even if you kind of know where it's going. The station itself is, you know, this huge station out in the middle of this sort of ocean, essentially. And it's got, I was surprised by the number of locations that it had on it. You know, you've got the the cantina area, you've got the the marketplace, you've got all the hangar, the workshops and the hangar bays and the actual like racing skyline. And there's there's a lot there's a lot there that that you can do with that place. And that was one thing that I, I was I was a little concerned about is kind of having this island setting making it hard to come up with new things but each each episode they had a new enough place on the station that it kept it interesting and i think there's a lot more they can do with that yep we saw this in the trash compactor exactly how many dianogas are in that trash compactor it's gonna be several several dianogas but yeah uh that that was kind of my my initial first impression of the series uh the characters are very light and fun i think i agree with your assessment of kaz as kind of the POV character who, you know, starts off knowing nothing and then gradually turns into the the hero, the main character, learning with the audience. Uh, I agree with that assumption. There are a couple other really fun characters as well. I think you, you mentioned that you really enjoyed uh, Niku as a character. I, I know at some point I have played a character that took everything way too seriously, and I just want to be everyone's friend. <laughs> I, I know that I have played that character. I think that the, it was a really good way to introduce him by having him spread that rumor that Kaz is the best pilot in the galaxy. That in was the, In the known galaxy. Yeah. Well, he, he just said best pilot on the platform, and then it just kind of was a game of telephone until... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed how that, that rumor spread faster than it took Kaz to walk from the landing bay to to the cantina right <laughs> and, and uh that yeah so Niku's a fun character any any other characters really stand out to you i i have i have an issue with lucasfilm at the moment i'll, I'll blame kathleen kennedy sound that's what everyone does right that's the thing that's what we're doing right now smart doing this uh in an in a i do this in every i did this in the last release did you (laughs) stop abusing droids okay (laughs) so in in like in 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 the prequels 
We just see Astromex getting shot off, shot off the Naboo ship, uh, Amidala ship, just left and right. We see throughout the Clone Wars show, we see, I think Obi-Wan goes through like four Astromex. <laughs> I think R5 is his last one. Or R, R4? R4D5? I don't remember. He's red. I call him red. So we get, in Rebels, we get, we get Chopper. Chopper's missing a few bits, right? Just a couple covers uh, over some of his, his arms and armatures and whatnot. Now we have Bucket. Bucket doesn't have a head. Bucket only has a frame. And I just feel so bad for him that, like, he feels the need. I, I, I honestly believe that he is so self-conscious about being naked that he wears that helmet as a way to, like, cover up his shame. I mean, we're introduced to him, and Yeager keeps him in a supply closet. He just comes out of the supply closet. So, Lucasfilm, anyone in charge there? Show the droid some respect. Didn't we learn anything from Solo? Did, you know, you wh- take the droids and then you sl- enslave them into a ship. I uh, that, that wasn't that wasn't the message I was going for. Uh, I lost my train of thought somewhere. You you were you were complaining about yeah. droids' rights, and then you used a very anti-droids' rights example <laughs> as something for them to follow. So I don't feel or, or, compelled by your argument, John. I, I hope <laughs> that maybe him not having skin, I guess, plays into it somehow. Like, Yeager had to trade off his plating to, like, get parts for the fireball. Like, I don't I don't know. But I just felt so bad for that. Like, I, I see a lot of people online like, oh, I love Bucket. He's like, what a what a rambunctious little, little scrap pile. I'm like, why do we have to keep making droids less and less have bodies? <laughs> this is, this is weird. It's a weird thing. I think you're reading into it a bit much. <laughs> just... I have this fantastic note about this. Next show is going to have an astromech that is just circus. It's just <laughs> circuits. <laughs> we stop destroying astromechs more and more. <laughs> well, I thought it was quite a clever design. It gives <laughs> us something new, which which threw me off. Like the actual skeleton design of Bucket is kind of what threw me off. I think in in our look at the resistance trailer i was talking about how like i'm not sure if he's an astromech he doesn't really he looks kind of cobbled together well that's because the the parts i'm used to seeing on an astromech weren't there so (laughs) he's a he's a cool little droid i think uh i think he's he's one there are a couple characters that they kind of introduced in these three episodes and i i didn't expect everybody to get any time to shine it's only three episodes in there's room for them to bring out some more characterization with those characters uh bucket's one of them the other mechanic on team fireball uh what is her name is it tam i think that's her name i'm gonna go with tam yeah i'm pretty sure that's who i'm, who I'm yeah, thinking it's, of it's tam like she she hasn't that, that's one of the reasons why i probably haven't remembered her name yet it's because she hasn't had much personality development other than kaz's annoying yell at kaz uh <laughs> Yeah, which is fine. The story's about Kaz, so we're gonna get we're we're gonna get those stories down the line. But we need to establish right. No, I agree. Kaz's first. I agree absolutely. I, I'm just saying, you know, we haven't gotten too much characterization for some of these guys yet. That's why I I haven't been able to form opinions too much about them yet. I do have uh, since since you brought forth an issue, I, I I did have a thought that's ever so slightly bugging me about this series, and I think it's an overall like Lucasfilm strategy thing that this this was like the realization point, and that is that everything everything is connected. 
in Star Wars, current, you know, canon, everything feeds into each other, right? So mm-hmm. Resistance is a canon series, which is great. I love, and as you know, I love the interconnected character things. I love those sort of things in our in our tabletop role-playing games. I love them in TV shows, movies, whatever. Very much enjoy that. But because Star Wars is focusing on all these different age groups, and I'm not saying I want them to stop doing that, again, I think that's amazing. One of the unfortunate side effects of that is that characters that we see development in in other series, because you then take them and put them into these series for younger people, kind of come off going, what the what the heck were you thinking? And Poe Dameron was kind of the catalyst for this in this series for mm-hmm. me, because he takes Kaz, who is a New Republic a fighter pilot, and randomly decides, hey... You have what it takes to be a spy, drops him off on the planet with no prior knowledge of any of his training, no tutorial as to how to spy or how to do the thing he's do like he's doing. And then he leaves BB-8 behind for reasons. And it's just one of those things where it's just like the characterization of Poe as we know him from the movies. I don't see him being this... Did you did you watch Last Jedi? Yeah, I did, but I don't think that Poe Dameron is dumb enough to just be like, "Hey, you random person, go be a spy," with no prior training or knowledge of who that person is. I guess that's my that's my one kind of like it's not a it's not a negative like I, it's not gonna ruin it for me. I'm still gonna watch it. I still enjoy it, but it's just one of those like minor side effect things. That's just oh, we see these characters in other properties, and sometimes they don't act the way that we would think of them acting because of other properties. And the reason why I think it it was such a big thing for me in this series is because that decision by Poe is what has is driving the entire plot of resistance. It's why Kaz is there. I'm liking the idea that uh putting him there to get it like we don't need this guy in the resistance. Let's let's put him let's put him somewhere where where BB eight can keep an eye on him where he's not gonna do a lot of damage. Like maybe Maybe Poe's playing the long game. What about, uh, what were your thoughts on Yeager, the, uh, I have the, the grizzly you'll, mentor? You'll, you'll appreciate this. My note is, it's like they wanted to get Sal Perales from the Making Star Wars podcasts and make him a character. How long until his family is cosplaying the Aces? Because... <laughs> To, to our listeners who don't know who Sal Perales is, he's he's another podcaster. He's a he's a he's a cosplayer who does he does a, a, an amazing Quinlan Voss. He doesn't need even better, uh, in my opinion, uh, Kanan Jarrus. Uh, when Rebels came out, he got his whole family to make Phoenix Squadron costumes that are awesome. So he's 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 a good guy, but he looks like Jaeger. All right, let me say, I think Jaeger looks like him. Yeah. I can see that. I can totally see his daughter cosplaying as um, the the other ace, the young one that he races against. Yeah. Toradoza. Yeah, Toradoza. I can totally see her doing that as well. The thing that Yeager reminded me of with his interactions with Poe, and he's like, hey, Poe, like, you're going to drop this guy off with me, whatever. I don't want to be part of the resistance. I, I've done that. That's not my life anymore, sort of thing. It mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of uh, Nathan Fillion's Captain Mel Reynolds from Firefly, where mm. he was he was on the 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 rebel side of the Galactic War, but in in Firefly, the rebels lost. I think there's an episode where a Firefly where someone kind of points out like, oh, that that coat of yours is kind of brown because they're called the brown coats. And he goes, hey, we're we're just folk, we're all just folk now, just trying to get by. And that, that's kind of how I feel like Jaeger's personality is is right. he still has. I, I'm sure he doesn't like the First Order. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like he he's more on the 
he'd probably lean more towards the resistance than like straight uh straight center between like straight neutrality but i also think that he's probably done with fighting and he just wants to live his life at this point like right he he's already given his time yeah he was a he was a rebel pilot yeah he said something interesting that I think resistance is going to be a way that we get a little bit more information on how the first order kind of came into power because he says something really interesting to Kaz and Kaz is going, Hey, you know, my job here is to be a, a, a spy and find first order sympathizers. And he says some, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says something along the lines of the average person on the station doesn't know or doesn't care about the first order. And they're not the mm-hmm. ones you need to worry about. So it's really interesting to me to see that even up to because this is supposed to take place like really close to the force on the force uh, awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting that people are still kind of dismissing the first order as a threat, or a, at least as well, a as a big one. Well, think of it this way: in the in the original trilogy, by the time of the original trilogy, by the Galactic Civil War, most people didn't remember what the Jedi Order stood for, or that they even existed and were real. Mm-hmm. So it's a big galaxy, and I, I think you and I kind of probably both still have it in our brains that when the the Empire collapsed, that the warlords still kind of controlled huge swaths of the galaxy. And I think what they're kind of getting at with the the new canon is that all those guys, all like all the uh, the Empire, or whatever, like the most powerful, they all packed their bags and went to like a distant corner of the galaxy where no one really knew what they were doing. And this this could tie into it. I don't know. I feel like my line of thought will make this connect. At the very beginning of this episode, you know, you, you mentioned earlier the Kaz is a New Republic pilot, uh, which I that actually surprised me because I thought he was supposed to be a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> As in in my notes, I wasn't really paying close attention at the very beginning, and like, oh, they're they're sneakily getting uh, these these reports to the resistance about the first order because they're being attacked by the first order. And the second time I watched it, I realized, oh, they were sent by by the Republic to deliver these. There's a part in The Force Awakens where they talk about how, uh, I think Hux talks about how, like, they know that the New Republic is <laughs> is backing the, backing the, the Resistance, but right. they're, like, trying to deny it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the at least the Republic is like openly denying that that's what they're doing, and it's like it's clearly what they're doing. It's like uh, when you hear about all these nations going like, "Yeah, no, we're not, we're not backing factions in you know South America." What are you talking about? They totally. Yeah, are. and like we're yeah <laughs> finding CIA operatives down there training them. I thought that was a very interesting thing, and maybe maybe it's just me that didn't realize that before this show because I I haven't really been reading any of the novels that have been coming out that take place after the force awakens as i've mentioned several times i i appreciate the new movies that just they're just not they're just not the era of star wars that i enjoy the most mm-hmm. um so like I, I don't really go out of my way to to read the new the the new media not that it's bad i I, I literally have no opinion on it i i like the galactic civil war era but i enjoy i enjoy the new stuff just i, I don't go out of my way for it mm-hmm. yeah I just dug myself into a giant hole there yay well, um, well so so I guess my question would be is because you've kind of made this connection and it's, you know, it's an interesting thing to you. Do you think that this show, if we continue watching it, could provide enough, provide enough interest for you to build more interest in the new, the new era, I suppose. Well, I'm already interested in the show as it, as it stands by itself. Um, 
because because I'm finally getting a Star Wars where uh okay, with the exception of Solo. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I pronounced it like that. Solo. We're I'm a pilot. We're hopefully getting a series where the main character isn't force sensitive. I'm I am a driver. Hoping, I'm hoping crossing my fingers and main character wasn't force sensitive in uh, main character wasn't force sensitive in Rogue One either. But it was a force sensitive, but there yeah. he wasn't the main catalyst. Right, but he he was there. I I am in, just interested in a story in a in the in the Star Wars galaxy about just folk, not people that have uh, supernatural powers or or believe in this ancient religious order or use lightsabers or can move stuff with their minds. Just regular folk getting by because I think that's that's a part of the story that we we never see because Star Wars is so goes hand in hand with the Force mm-hmm. that. And lightsaber duels and moving rocks, but also not moving rocks. It's not just about moving rocks, Sam. But then it is. Uh, are you telling <laughs> me? Are you trying to force explain to me? <laughs> well, uh, you, no, I, big, I get. I get what you're, you're saying. Of the old republic, and I'm sure you would love a show that is the old republic and the old republic Jedi. Because it'd be it'd be great to see. As much as I, I am, I am throwing the praises on a show that doesn't have Jedi. It would also be great to see the Jedi when, when they weren't dare I say at, at, at their, at their, at their peak, I would say. Right. Right. Where they, they weren't just like in, in the prequels, they're like, we're a peacekeeping force in the old Republic when there was still like uh Sith, you know, armies running around. They weren't just peacekeeping force. They were, they were, the, they were the Jedi Knights, you know, so that's what I'm excited about this. I, I don't know if it'll make me more interested in in the sequel trilogy. Period. Yeah. The, the the post the post prequels. That doesn't work because that that's the original trilogy. I'm gonna figure this yeah. out someday. They're just called sequels. Like everybody wants to know where Snoke came from. Everyone wants to know where the first order came from. I don't care. I accept that they're they're the big baddies. They're I, the new big. I would baddies. be I'd be interested in seeing the build up of the first order. I don't think I still don't think we need to know where Snoke came from. He can just yeah. be. There, I mean, we fine. didn't we didn't know where the emperor came from until what thirty years after the forty movie, years, you know? yeah, thirty years, <laughs> yeah. forty years. So it's not that big. Um, that's that's not part of the story, and it doesn't doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing too about Star Wars is that we can always explore something later. You know, mm-hmm. we can always explore more in any time period because there's just so much to this this world. I, I you know, speaking of speaking of the transitional power thing, like. uh I think I I, I want to get my hands on some of the aftermath books because those are those are like you know post post our Return of the Jedi like New Republic is doing stuff. I think that uh, the thing that that got me interested in that is this show seeing Kaz in his brand new you know. New Republic Starfighter with a actual like New Republic uh, color scheme and logos and all that and <laughs> uniform. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I really want to know how we went from rebel forces that just overthrew a government to like actually having the money to invest, invent, and build our own personal military. You know what I mean? That's 
That was one of the dumbest nitpicks I had, is that the New Republic flight suits have the Phoenix, uh, the Rebel Phoenix on it, and the Resistance also use that say, uh, same symbol, but then also deny any connection to the Resistance, or to the Republic. I, I just thought it'd be funny, like, if there was, like, a insurgent Rebel force in another country that was just wearing the American flag, and like, no, we have nothing to do with them. Like, but you're using all the same equipment, and you're wearing the flag. Nope. <laughs> different (laughs) (laughs) completely different i don't know where they got that stuff and in the end it doesn't really matter i mean the the imperial cog is just a slightly fatter version than the than the uh the the republic's um, right starburst logo Mm -hmm. so you know star wars so (laughs) right i I, I thought that was i thought that was just a funny thing that like it, it means absolutely nothing but it's something that could be nitpicked for no reason right for sure (laughs) <laughs> here's something that was uh that was interesting to me the on on the fact on the the new ships you know the new new republic starfighters it's it's kind of cool to think of they have that as a resource but they're just offloading their older crummier x-wing fighters that we see them using the resistance using onto the resistance like here you can have our last generation hand-me-downs <laughs> okay so here's one thing and and one of the the i think is the second episode uh triple dark mm-hmm. uh, just get that uh, your hand me downs thing just remind me of that um the pirates that attack the station oh are yeah, yeah. cobble together ships and it reminded me a lot of oh, i can't remember what i can't remember what novel was in the eu uh where they go they go to kessel it's probably the one with, i think it's jedi search and the 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 defense fleet of kessel or whoever was running kessel at the time consisted of TIE fighters and X-Wings. And it just kind of goes to show that like these companies are still selling the, like, uh, Signer fleet systems will still sell TIE fighters to other other groups. Incom will still sell X-Wings to other groups. And so we see these pirates, and they have, like, these cobbled together, like, from, like, you know, probably crashed or other old Imperial ships. And it, it, just, it just made me happy. Yeah. <laughs> The Lambda class being used as a gunship and not just the, not just the transport. It was cool too to see that they had the old. Some of them were wearing like stormtrooper parts. One guy had like a, a Veers style. We went to the surplus store. <laughs> there was um. All right, let's let's read through my dumb notes real quick because cool. uh, Let, let's 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 start with the start with the first episode. Anything that okay. stood out to you? Disclaimer. Because, you know, professional. There may seem like a lot of negatives listed here, but things that are off to you will always be more obvious. The criticisms listed below aren't a reflection on how I thought of the show overall. They are just things that stood out to me that I found interest uh, enough to list. Uh, the show could be terrible, but I would still be stoked on the fact that there is new Star Wars content and that I can enjoy that Star Wars content regardless of how good or bad it is. As long as Kaz doesn't become a Jedi, this is the kind of content I've always wanted. Regular folk in the Star War without super magical powers just getting by. In disclaimer. Because I, I, I wrote that whole thing after I noticed that I was writing a lot of negative things. I'm not putting down a lot of positive things, but I think a lot of the negative things just kind of have to do with, you know, it's a cartoon, it's aimed for kids. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be dark and dirty like Rogue One. It's not going to be... Yeah, I think okay. it's going to be more like Han Solo mm. uh, with less less murder. <laughs> Slightly less murder. I don't, I don't think anyone's I... died in the three episodes that have been out. So... Like like my uh, 
disclaimer that I copy and pasted from uh, a part of this recording where we weren't actually ready to record said a lot of the things that stood out to me were dumb things that really don't need to be pointed out. I just thought they were dumb uh, and you're, not in you're like doing a, what nerd, you're doing yeah. what nerds do. Yeah. And <laughs> like, it's dumb and like, not like a, I hate this way. It's just kind of like, huh, it's dumb. Uh, example, bending a fin on a dart shouldn't make that dart fly 90 degrees. There's space uh, darts, John. <laughs> I know, but like that, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about. I did enjoy when Yeager said, or you could go down in a fireball or a ball of fire. And then within 30 seconds of saying that, he's introduced to his ship, the fireball. <laughs> Which they have freely admitted crashes. Four times. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I told you, like, I, I think I sent you this like immediately after watching that. I have this note of, are all junk owners, all junk shop owners in Star Wars from Brooklyn? <laughs> we get Watto, you know. And then the guys that run the junk shop here definitely have like a New York accent, with the exception of the the furry dude who was voiced by the Dean, uh, John uh, Jim Rash. Who? Oh my God! Okay, his character glad... design fits him so perfectly. I am glad that you brought that up because I was racking my brain when I was I I rewatched the first episode before we recorded. Mm-hmm. I was racking my brain, going, I have heard this guy's voice before. Who the heck is he? And then we started recording and I didn't have a chance to look it up. But now that you said it, I'm like, yes, it is Jim Rash. Okay. Awesome. Also, talking about the junk shop owners, Orca, the, the guy that with the, the kind of New York accent, uh-huh. um, his species, if I need to look it up, but originally it was the first time that character showed up in Star Wars in the cantina in A New Hope. His name was like a, pl- not a play, but a variation of the name Mace Windu. And they kind right. of retconned it in to say that like Mace Windu saved, like was a hero on their planet. And so there's just a lot of people named Mace Windu. <laughs> uh, my notes for the race part. This is going to be a fun part to edit together so it doesn't sound like I'm rambling. During some of the, the scenes where they, they're going through the loops, there's mm-hmm. definitely a distinct, what I like to call the booster dump sound from episode one racer. You know, when you charge oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have that in KOTOR too with the swoop bikes. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah similar yeah. sound. Having a show ba- that focuses on the race is a good idea. The star, as the Star Wars is known for magical wizards, laser swords, dogfights, and starship battles. The race, the racing gives a pseudo starship thing since we will be lacking the other two, as well as bring some of the intrigue of a spy story. All right, I didn't really have a ton of notes on the first one that. I needed to be repeated. Yeah. Uh, First episode all around, just it had a good start, kept me interested, made me want to go into the second episode. Yeah. 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 Most, most of my notes are from the first one. And then I was able to be like, I'm, I'm being too critical. Let's sit back and just enjoy it. So what about Uh, for the second and third? Triple dark is the episode where uh, he finally finds a spy Mm -hmm. spy for the pirates, pirate spy. Uh, My, my first and, and largest note because it's all in caps is I like Niku. He had, <laughs> he had a lucky pet named Lucky that died. That's unlucky. Then he ate it. Lucky. Then he got sick. Unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that interaction. And the, and after that, like I just stopped paying attention. Like, <laughs> it's like I like the pirates' gear. <laughs> it's a good note. Yeah. 
It was cool. Uh, two episodes in, I'm already disregarding a lot of things I'd normally be upset with, uh, such as writing dialogue story points, Kaz being blasted into the sky and landing on the pirate windshield and then falling back on the same place he was blasted from. Just because I recognize that this is for a younger audience and that, and with that knowledge, I can sit back and just enjoy the show. Right. Yeah. You just got to adjust your expectations. That's all. Yeah. And if you can't do that, then you're not going to enjoy anything for the rest of your life. So. <laughs> yeah. So in, in this episode, we get we get introduced to the fact that the the aces aren't just racers; they're there to protect the the refueling station. Right. Uh, so they're not just random people just living on going fast, and they actually have a job there, which they didn't really address in the first episode when the ex imperial guy is shooting at the other racers, and no one else seems to have guns. It kind of makes sense that he you know, has some sort of, they have some sort of offensive weapons for mm-hmm. defense. I did like the Kaz, even though he's been kind of being played to be kind of like a fool so far. He is smart enough to think, hey, if I get, if I get that, get on the comms with the pirates, I can make them think something else is going on. And that that's, that's one thing I, you know, I was being really critical about Kaz in terms of the, the Poe Dameron, like he doesn't actually know what he's doing being a spy, but just because he doesn't know what he's doing being a spy, he's still a academy flight academy trained, military trained, New Republic fighter pilot. He's intelligent enough to do that. He's skilled enough to do that. We see that he's got mad accuracy skills with that dart game. He's not being presented as an idiot in general. He's just kind of being presented as a guy that's entirely out of his element. Yeah, exactly. He's he's he has a little bit of street smarts. Right. And so in this episode, the whole like B story, besides him, I think every episode, like the main or the B story, I should say, will be him doing his spy thing, whether he successfully does it or not. But the main, I think the main story in this is that he was getting, um, okay, this definitely isn't the main story, but some people he upset in the, in the first episode are coming after him and they discover that he has this incredibly rare material that's part of his lucky, his lucky charm. <laughs> Yeah, his uh, his his first ever racing trophy that he smashes, and then also it gets smashed. You being used to save one of one of the people that's after him, who I'm sure isn't going to be any sort of grateful for that. Yeah, they're all they're all kind of they're all kind of piratey. Yeah. <laughs> the people in the they're like just above pirates, you know. <laughs> they're they're all scoundrelly. All right, how about uh, any any last uh, things for that that uh, that third episode there? Well, this one we get. We do get to see a little bit more of that Crimson TIE fighter pilot, uh, the new uh, First Order fighter pilot, and they set it up so that it appears that he is the one that is sending the pirates to the base. Mm-hmm. And then and then Phasma steps out of the shadows and makes that Nemodian real sad. Uh, did you watch the third episode? Yes, I did. Fuel for the fire? Yep. My dumb note for this is, I bet fuel will end up on fire in this episode. <laughs> and, and kind of did my my last note for this is no fuel was set on fire beyond the kind of fire that fuels usually goes through fuel is combusted to create power yada yada <laughs> <laughs> i think this was uh this was the one episode where it started and i knew exactly how it was gonna end like yeah i was just like oh they're doing the yeah. we we met draco malfoy right where this is going to be Kaz's, Kaz's foil on the platform. 
I didn't even go that far. I, I just went with the whole like, oh, we're doing the one episode in every uh, series for young people ever where they meet someone who seems really cool and then they end up being not so cool and then they learn a lot valuable friendship about who you should be trusting. Yeah, I felt like we learned more about Yeager in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because we, we see a we see a hollow pick of his family. Yep. Which I don't know if you noticed Ian was on Batu. I, I couldn't not notice because the internet refused internet to let me internet. not notice. And then yeah, and then we learned that he was at the Battle of Jakku. That was a good battle. That was my guess is that he joined the rebellion after the Empire was somehow would fault for killing his family. Mm-hmm. And then rebellion's over and then he just he just wants to chillax. Right. Yeah, and I agree. We learned that he has a incredibly fast ship that mm-hmm. we have not we have not seen yet. So that's that's pretty cool. It's the unfireball. It's just a ball. <laughs> it's the regular it's the ball. It's the sun crusher. <laughs> hey, you know they oh. they do a lot of that taking names from legends and putting them onto. Don't 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 take the sun crusher and make it a racer. I think it's like a galactic murder weapon. What if it's a uh, what if it's the Sun Chaser? Okay, that's a good that's a good uh, that's a good Star Wars name. Yeah, right. Huh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down actually. I'm gonna Google this because I'm I'm almost ninety percent sure it already is. Oh, I'm sure. R forty one Star Chaser. Get wrecked. R forty one? Did you say? Yep. Hmm. I said Sun Chaser, not Star Chaser. They have the R forty one Star Chaser that they can that they can use. There you go. For some reason, I was looking. I remember looking at this ship. Why were we looking at this ship? Because, oh, uh, Tordoza's ship kind of looks like this, except hers is right. a lot more rounded. No, hers looks like uh, we talked about this in the preview app. The the android that uh, that assists homeboy, Greenskin, Black Sun, the android uh, that assists Prince, Prince Caesar and Shadows of the Empire. Oh, Gurry and Hersh. Uh, Tordoza's ship, if I remember right, there's a picture of Gurry looking like a judge, one of the judges from Judge Dredd, and that's kind of cool. Dude, I can't get the phrase, Prince Zizor is my homeboy, out of my head now. Why? That's weird. Because you just called him homeboy. (laughs) I'm going to send you this picture, and you'll be like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. I can see if you took, like, this ship and the other ship and meshed them together. Well, very cool, man. It seemed that at the end of um, Fuel for the Fire, there's a shot of Yeager looking up at the tower that all the aces live in, and there's clearly a like a military-looking guy looking out, who I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure is Torado's father. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be interested to see what their relationship is. It's probably going to be something... I'm going to call it now. He He's an Imperial that he fought against at Jakku, or is somehow responsible for his family's death or is an old squadron mate that wronged him somehow. Hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, he's an Imperial who keeps him down because he was on the opposite end of the war, but respects him enough to kind of let him still kick around. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. He doesn't so, have a, doesn't have anything, uh, mentioned on his Wikipedia page yet. His name's Emmanuel. Hmm. All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Those are our predictions. I guess we'll we'll regroup in a in a couple episodes and 
come back and talk about it some more. We're going to circle, circle it back because it took me like an hour to find this. Yep. Mesamilian Wundurate was a squib trader. He began his career as a chief bartender officer in the reclamation cruiser for two for one. And this best be blah, 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 blah. He went by the nickname Mace Windu in reference to the human Jedi that by that name who won the battle of score two and 21 BBY and became a hero to the squib people. I'm bringing it back. It's pretty good. I had to look pretty it up good. Because I'm pretty sure Orca's that race. Yeah, he, he looks like a squib. I didn't remember the name of the squibs. But he does look like a squib. They're kind of like little bat people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any last minute things? I, I think I think I'm I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how this goes. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm gonna continue watch it, and maybe we'll we'll regroup after it, uh, a couple more seems, episodes. Yeah, why don't you why don't you throw out the uh, the email and the yeah yeah, yeah probably a good idea. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at HothPod on Twitter. If you want to get a hold of me personally, you can find me at, at HothPodIan. If you want to send us an email, shoot us an email, HothPod at gmail.com. And if you want to go directly to us, you can find us at HothTopicsPodcast.com. Go to any of those sites, find a way to talk to us, uh, let us know what else you want to hear. I've started to put out sort of some questions, general questions about stuff for maybe some upcoming episodes. Uh, I'd like to get some input from the audience about that kind of stuff. So keep an eye on the Twitter and the Facebook page. We also have a Facebook page if you're on Facebook. Let us let us know what you think. Uh, so we're going to get a little bit more, little bit more juice flowing there, a little bit more audience involvement. So we want to hear from you. So seriously, don't hesitate to drop us a line. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Peace, uh, peace outside. Peace outside and inside. Yeah, also inside. It's general peace. <laughs> <laughs>